It's about as important of a question as they come. Who is my family? It seems synonymous to another question. Where do I belong? Apparently, Jesus instinctively paired them together, as recorded in the 12th chapter of Matthew, verses 46 through 50. While Jesus was still walking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mothers and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I've written elsewhere about my close connection with my mother. While it is not universally true, there does seem to be a special connection between mothers and their sons, just as there is often between fathers and their daughters. I can certainly attest to both. When it comes to the former, that is what makes these supposed words of Jesus all the more shocking. Certainly by all biblical accounts, Mary and Jesus did not have a cold and distant relationship. Mary is portrayed as having both a warm affection and subtle reverence for her son as a young child. And Jesus, even while in the deepest of agony while he hung on the cross, was so committed to his mother that he took time to appoint a disciple to care for her in view of his imminent death. And yet on another occasion, when informed that his mom, along with his brothers, were waiting outside and wanting to speak to him, Jesus basically told the crowd that his gang of often clueless disciples were more family than a woman who gave birth to him and raised him. I mean, damn, Jesus, that's cold. He goes on to clarify that what qualifies someone as a member of his family is if they do the will of the Father. But wasn't the very fact that she was his mother based on an angelic declaration of God's favor on her life? Isn't it fair to assume that said favor is based, at least in part, on a fair amount of effort on Mary's part to follow a righteous path? But none of that mattered now, in this moment for Jesus and Mary. On that day, Mary and her other children wouldn't receive from Jesus even the attention commonly provided to distant relatives. What caused Jesus to be so harsh? Well, we get a hint in another passage in the book of Mark, where we learn that apparently the fever pitch of Jesus' self-ascribing messianic talk had gotten too extreme for the family, even though Mary was given plenty of advance warning about Jesus' unique God-ordained mission. According to Mark, Mary and Jesus' brothers thought he was, quote-unquote, out of his mind. Well, I am no Jesus, believe you me. But in this story, I find some sense of a shared experience and therefore some fellowship with this man from nearly 2,000 years ago. The last few years have been very hard because I have grieved the loss of so many loved ones, not from physical death, but by a separation of conscience and will. This has included literal blood relatives along with those who I had thought were fellow brothers and sisters in God's family, the church. Having grown up in a devout Christian home, these two families were very intertwined. I recall singing, both in my house and at church on Sundays, the Bill and Gloria Gaither contemporary hymn, Family of God. The chorus goes like this. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, for I am part of the family, the family of God. But now many in both my literal and supposedly spiritual family seem estranged. I look at them and think, I don't even know who you are. And to be fair, I know they are thinking the same. The cause of this divorce? We have a shockingly different understanding 
of the will of the Father. I am convinced that many of them think that God's will is synonymous with the idols of which I have previously written about. Their patriarch and prophet is now Donald Trump. In contrast, I had one of my former pastors say that my conclusions about evangelicalism were either brilliant or crazy, and it was clear by the tone of the conversation that he was strongly leaning towards crazy. Either way, the end result is the same. We've drifted apart as we pursue two diametrically opposed agendas. And yet among the loss, I have much to celebrate, for I have found new family members I never knew existed. Or perhaps I knew they existed, but they were, you know, those people that needed the saving. Curiously, it turns out that they are more eagerly practicing the kind of unconditional love I was told was supposed to be a central conviction and way of life with my former family. So my new brothers and sisters are the likes of liberal atheists, members of the LGBT community, and Muslim refugees whether they live next door or half a world away. To them, I say thank you. I am cherishing our new fellowship and growing every day as I am inspired by your courage and strength. And above all, I am exceedingly honored to be called your brother. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And remember that you can check out more of my takes on faith, social justice, and pop culture, along with other life-inspired musings by visiting www.curtelewis.com. If you enjoyed and benefited from this and other publications featured on my website, would you take a few minutes to show your support? First, you can share it with your friends via social media, text message, email, word of mouth, pigeon bird, cave art, whichever you prefer. Second, if you're listening on iTunes, take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast and to give it a positive review. Lastly, you can help me to continue to produce these podcasts by making a monthly or one-time financial contribution. Click on support on the website to learn more. Again, thanks so much for listening.